Sure. I think it's um, a, a privilege to uh, be able to preach after amazing worship like that. You know, I think the Lord's already gone ahead and just sown and built faith, uh, opened our eyes to see um, His kindness, just His kindness to us. I think the, the miracle of salvation, just the miracle of Him rescuing a rebellious people, the, the, the miracle of His kindness to um, even create. You know, the Word says that He created us in His image and in His likeness um, because of His kindness, so that we would be able to see Him and enjoy Him forever. His kindness then, um, as we've rebelled against Him and decided not to, to, to do it His way, but to do it our way, His kindness even in our rebellion, in our rebellion, while we were still sinners, uh, for Him to die for us and to reconcile and to restore um, because of how good He is. It is amazing. Um, and just the mystery of this um, wonderful, beautiful, powerful, majestic, holy God that we cannot see, that keeps Himself hidden from us so that we, with eyes of faith, would believe. With eyes of faith, we cannot please the Lord without faith. And He chooses this way to hide Himself. But then to reveal Himself through the Son, Jesus. And then Jesus, when He, when he departed, He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to see, reveal truth. It's going to reveal the Son, and the Son's going to reveal the Father. Um, just His kindness to us. And I think sometimes we get stuck in this, um, almost this poverty mentality where we don't believe that God um, is super lavish. Have you heard that word lavish? That He lavishes on us. That He, he does not want to see one person lost. Not one person. He wants to see everyone come to salvation. Everyone come to repentance. And it's His kindness to see the whole of humanity restored and reconciled to Himself. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Um, I want to start, I want to go quickly to Scripture, um, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 to 20. You know, <clears throat> I think we're just preparing this time with the, uh, to preach. I was... I'm praying, and I'm like, Lord, where would I be without you? Where would I be without you? Just my, my, my twisted, um, just through, through rejection and um, all these things of life that have twisted this image that God made us in His image and His likeness, and all of us, that image gets twisted and broken and contorted and um, distorted and perverted. I'm like, where would I be without you, God? Um, the, the, the brokenness, the shame, the, the hurting. Uh, broken marriages, and for all of us here, our God, His kindness wants to restore all of that, that He is a God of rec re reconciliation and restoration, to come and restore that image of Christ in us, to come and restore broken relationships, to come and restore broken marriages, to come and restore broken bodies, even physical healing, out of His kindness that He comes to lavish on us after we've rebelled and rejected Him. While we were still sinners, He sent His Son to redeem us. 
It is beautiful. It is beautiful. I'm like, Lord, where would I be without you? I'd probably be, if not in a gutter, maybe four or five wives behind me and a brood of children, um, but, yeah, and, and probably an alcoholic, um, filled with lust, just trying to fulfill and satisfy my own fleshly desires that are unfulfilled or unfulfillable. And, I, and I, when I was thinking of that, I'm like, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for salvation, for that miracle of, of reconciling us back to yourself. And Paul writes that. He says, if, in, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, new creation. In your brokenness, the opportunity, even for those that don't know him now, this morning, there's an opportunity for you to be reconciled, for him to restore the image of Christ back into you. You're a new creation. The old is past the new has come, and all of this is from God, who through Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors representing a company, an organization, a political movement, we are ambassadors representing this ministry of reconciliation, that we are able to tell people that are lost and broken and hurting and don't see him, don't know him. We have this ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. As God making his appeal through us, and this last sentence, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Oh, be reconciled to God. For all of us, be reconciled to Him. And those of us that have tasted Him and, and have um, seen Him with eyes of faith, there is, a, there is a mission for us. There is a mission for us to reach out to the lost and broken, but also for us to grow and to mature, that we could be everything that He's called us to be in Christ Jesus. Amen. So this morning I'm going to speak about just how God equips us in this ministry of reconciling, in this ministry of reconciliation, that Jesus came first and foremost to save those that are lost. So he sheds his blood on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven. We're washed in the blood. Our sins are no, we're no longer slave to sins. They're no longer counted against us like Dan preached last week. We don't have that husband, the law, continually accusing, pointing out all our faults and not lifting a finger to help. Jesus came to shed his blood, that his blood covers over all of that and redeems us, redeems us to him. But he also came to restore us back to the image of Christ. It's a twofold thing. It's this forgiveness of sin, and then there is a restoration, a reconciliation of back to our true identity of who we created to be uh, in him. So, John the Baptist was sent to come and, lay, and pave the way and, and um, open the, or let's say level the ground for Jesus, or Jesus' arrival on the earth. And uh, in John 1 verse 29, John, John the Baptist, what John writes about John the Baptist, says, Next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then a few verses later he says, Then John gave this testimony. 
I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So there John saw him, John the Baptist, the Lamb of God that was going to come and take away the sin of the world. And then him that the Spirit came and dwelt upon, and he was going to baptize us that believe with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes as believers, that one of the reasons why we fail in our continual growing or walking forward in this thing and being front-footed and maturing in Christ is we don't have a revelation of what does that mean that the King of Glory has now found a home and has baptized us with His presence, the Holy Spirit. And we need to ponder on that thing daily, remembering who it is that you have been baptized by and baptized with and baptized for. That He comes in us, He comes to rework us, heal us, shape us, and then work through us. But we limit that. We limit that without understanding fully what he's, done with us, what he's done for us by baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, okay, I want to give a picture. So Jesus comes, he's, he's, for, he's shed his blood on the cross. He's promised that he's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Um, in the Old Testament, the anointing of oil was symbolic of people being consecrated and anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. It was a temporary thing, so God would anoint the kings of Israel. In fact, He would anoint everything that was going to be used for the service of God. And it was a temporary um, representation of God's presence with them for a specific time and a specific purpose. That was the shadow of what was to come. Um, and Ezekiel 36 so 500 years before Christ comes, Ezekiel the prophet prophesies this. That no longer would it become a temporary anointing for the people of God and a consecration for His people, but it would become a permanent thing that God would give you a new heart, put a new spirit inside of you. He would remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So, I want to give this account. I'll quickly read through. Shame, I gave Zarina about 100 scriptures, like the whole Bible, but I'm going to pick a few. Um, I'm going to read just this account of Saul. So, in the Old Testament, I mentioned they, they're anointed for a time and a purpose, um, a picture of what was to come where God was then going to put His Spirit in us permanently. So, 1 Samuel 10 verse 1 Samuel, Saul was anointed by Samuel the prophet as the first king of Israel. Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? And then verse 5, it says, After that you will go to Gilbeah of God, <clears throat> where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, harps, being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Verse 6. Once these 
signs are fulfilled. Do whatever you find in your hands to do, for God is with you. So you will be changed into a different person. So the promise to Saul via Samuel was, with this anointing, God is going to change you into a different person. And that's what He does with us. We come to the Lord broken, twisted, perverted, separated from Him. He gives us the Son that uh, cleanses us of our sins, and then He baptizes us with His Holy Spirit to change us so that we would become a completely different person. Verse 9, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all of those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? He was unrecognizable. What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? What happened to Saul? And even in this church, what happened to Daniel? What happened to Dan? He once was X and now is Y. What happened to me? Why, where would I be without the Lord? Who, and then even when I got saved, friends and family saying, what happened to Nick? All my drinking buddies, all the partying, those guys, like you're not coming, no. What has, what has happened to Nick? I remember even Belinda's pastor didn't believe that my conversion was real. It was like, what happened to Nick? There's, it can't be. But the Lord works like that, where He gives us a new spirit and He gives us power and you become a different person. Sorry, man, I'm just... Um, <clears throat> John 14, verse 15 to 21. So Jesus said this, and I, I mentioned it earlier. He said, I'm, I'm going to depart. So he tells the disciples uh, um, he's going to get crucified. He's going to pay for the sin of the world. And when I depart, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or helper to help you. And he will be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. In verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them, and we will make our home with them. Do you think that you are a good home for the Father and the Son to come and live in? Because that's our aim. As, as He restores and He reconciles and He changes and He shifts us and He wants to come and dwell in us and amongst us, our responsibility is, Lord Jesus, would you find this home pleasing for you to dwell in? And it's not something like, I can't do it, but I can come and ask Him to sweep these rooms clean. Help me with unbelief. Help me with this sin issue. Because He's in me and He wants to make a home in me. And therefore, He's given us power uh, he says to the disciples, you'll be clothed with power from on high. The Father and the Son want to dwell in us and make their home in us. And I, that's just, when you apply your mind to that thing, and you think, 
who it is that is going to now reside in me. I often think about the, the priest, the high priest in the old so Saul's being anointed with oil, and for that time, he's changed man, and it's temporary. Eventually, he, he turns his back on God, and he becomes quite a rebellious king. Um, that's not the point I'm trying to make. The temple, that, the, the, the holy of holies, where God's presence was in the temple. One king, once a year, on behalf of the nation of Israel, could come and present a, a, a blood offering into the holy of holies. He'd have incense so that he couldn't look on the presence of God. He'd be in, he'd sprinkle the blood, and if he didn't drop dead, he'd be out. That's what they had. That was their um, encounter with God, his presence, once a year. Jesus offers his body as a, as a sacrifice, atoning for us sins, so that we are now free to enter in. The temple curtain is torn. The Holy of Holies is now accessible to all of us. That same presence that people would drop dead before is now wanting to come and live in you, in, in the holy of holies, in that place that only God can come and restore and rebuild image. Think about that. The Lord wants to fill you with His presence. You know, the Bible says that we're a priesthood of believers, that we're called to minister to Him and for Him with the presence of the living God inside of you. And I know for some it's a reminder, but and for some it's a revelation that you would carry the presence of the living God with holy fear. And, and the fruit of having the Spirit in us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, all these things that Dan was preaching about. The, the opposite, the flesh, when we sow in, and, we, and he's not, he's, he doesn't find a place for him to come. You've given your heart, but your heart is still full of selfishness and sin and that. I don't want to go down that theology. But it's not a place where the Holy of Holies is going to rest and mature and grow and use you powerfully to lead and shepherd His people and to, and to, to preach and be used in the kingdom. Does that make sense? You need the power. <clears throat> Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 to 22. And God, it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and He has anointed us, and who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. 1 John 2, verse 20 to 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set His seal of ownership on us and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. John 7, verse 38 to 39. He who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. When you receive the Spirit, rivers of living water will flow out of us. It says that it wells up to, it wells up to eternal life. These are the signs of believers. This is what we should be experiencing and desiring. The beauty of this thing, the kindness of God to reconcile us and then give us His Spirit to dwell in us and dwell through us and work through us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You must be excited about that and treasure that thing. Amen. <clears throat> Just looking at my time. I love, I've mentioned this before, I love reading Spurgeon. 
The Holy Spirit cannot dwell in the old heart. It's a filthy place, devoid of all good and full of enmity to God. His very first operation upon our nature is to pull down that old house and build himself a new one, that he may be able to inhabit us consistently with his Holy Spirit nature. That is beautiful. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 5 says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 to 17, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And God's Spirit dwells in your midst. His temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 to 20. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? It is good. James 4 verse 5 says, do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that he caused to dwell in us? He jealously longs for the spirit that he caused to dwell in us. There's a jealousy of God. God is passionate He's passionate about it. You think about Jesus clearing out the temple where the money changes and they were selling stuff and they were turning it into a market. He comes in there, he forms a whip out of cords and he starts chasing. He flips the money tables over and he starts chasing everyone out of the temple and it says, passion for his house consumed him. You are his house now. Passion for his house consumes him. There is a passion, there is a jealousy over us for him. There's a jealousy over us. So what do we do with that? <clears throat> you know, there's a, a law, a law of nature. <laughs> there is a law, God's law, of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. And the word says, and the context was being generous, but the word says that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You know, and if you sow apple seeds, you reap apple trees. Um, and it's the same with us desiring the things of the Spirit. Jesus says that He gives to those that ask. Knock, and the door will be opened. Luke 11 verse 9 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give you a snake instead? Or ask for an egg, will give you a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to good give how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Sowing and reaping. If you're asking small, you're going to get small. If your expectation of walking in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit and, and, and the Father and the Son dwelling in you as a temple of the living God, if, if that is small to you, you're going to have small faith and small love and small ministry and small effect in the kingdom. Small purpose, small eternity, that, that target's going to be miles away. You won't see. But if you ask big, 
If you ask big, He's generous, and He'll lavish the power of the Spirit in you. But you need to ask, and you need to ask consistently. You need to ask daily. You need to find time. You need to find place to go and seek the Lord, like Jesus did. Jesus needed to go seek the face of the Father daily and get out of the hustle and the bustle and to go find His Father. It's the call for us as His disciples that we would find Him. Amen. Amen. I'm going to land soon. Galatians 6, 7 says, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I'm going to go back to Spurgeon. Spurgeon on asking. If you may have everything by asking and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is, and I beseech you to abound in it. Do you know, brothers, what great things are to be had for the asking? Have you ever thought of it? Does, not, does it not stimulate you to pray fervently? All of heaven lies before the grasp of the asking man. All the promises of God are rich and inexhaustible, and their fulfillment is to be had in prayer. It says, your body was a willing horse when it was in the service of the devil. Let it not be a sluggish hack now that it draws the chariot of Christ. Your body was a willing servant to the devil before you got saved. Lots of energy to go and party. Woohoo! Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, let's go. Yeah, let's go again. Lots of energy. Some of you guys might know. And for the Lord, oh, yes, I can't do this. Another quiet time. No, Lord. Friday nights is my time with you. Um, but, but, but we need to shift this thing. We spoke about the, this mindset last week about um, being restrained. That we speak about the things of the Spirit and we start pull up the handbrake. Open your mind and your heart to, to what's available, the riches of His, of His glory in us and through us. If you would ask, if you would position yourself and posture yourself. And we have to choose every single day. Every single day I've got to choose. What am I living for? I have you inside of me, the Holy Spirit. I'm a temple of the living God. What am I going to do with this life? Uh, And obviously I'm working with the power of the Spirit in the workplace. And I'm loving my wife with the power of the Spirit. When I'm feeling angry or frustrated, Father, would you help me with this? You're in me and you're with me. You, You will never leave me nor forsake me. It's available to us all. It's His kindness that He lavishes on us. His Spirit, no longer in the Holy of Holies, for one man once a year, for all of us, for all time, there, for the asking. How much more will He give to those that ask of the Spirit? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because this is, a, this is taken hold of by faith. You have to believe. You have to believe. Faith pleases the Lord. All right, I'm going to land on this. My encouragement to you all, He has given us salvation. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's come to restore all the broken places in us. He's come to give us His Spirit. He offers us open hands to those that come and ask. 
and would and set before him daily and desire this and and appropriate this thing by faith. It's available to us all. So my 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 encouragement. We're going to break bread later, and even as we break bread together as a congregation, remembering his blood, his body torn, his blood shed. Remember the gift of the Holy Spirit that is given us. And I'm going to read one more thing, and it's not Spurgeon. Can I read two things? Do I have permission? Um, Zarina, I know I gave you a hundred scriptures, but I never gave you this one scripture. If you could put Psalm 27, verse 4, verse 4. <clears throat> um, David. You know, I think about David loving the Lord. Um, one thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Can you leave that up? If David, it says that those of old longed for what we have. They longed. Imagine if you told David, David, the Lord's going to make His temple inside of you. He would have done cartwheels. He would have done backflips. He, he, he danced for joy because of the, the presence of the God coming in, the presence of God coming into Jerusalem. Imagine if you said to him, David, he's going to fill you and he's going to be with you forever. And that was his, that I would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. And we have it. And I think sometimes 2,000 years later, it's like, ah, meh, meh. Let us not be that people. I think Joshua Generation Church, we want to be a people that are like, whoa, whoa, woe is me, oh God. Woe is me, oh God. Let me use this life for you. And then I will close with this reading. <clears throat> this is written by Andrew Murray. You love Andrew Murray. Many can look back to special season of spiritual revival when their whole life was on a higher plane. The experience of the joy and the strength of the Savior's presence was for a time very real. But it did not last. For many there had, there had been a gradual decline accompanied by vain efforts and subsequent failure. Does it sound familiar? Where we kind of, we see it and then it starts to grow dim. We're having quiet times. We've been faithful with trying to find His face. And then we lose that thing and five weeks later we're just, yeah. Um, so you're not alone. It's a common thing amongst men and women. Some long to know where the problem lies. There is little doubt as to the answer. They do not know or honor the indwelling spirit as the strength for their life, the power of their faith to keep them looking to Jesus and trusting in Him. They do not know what it is to day by day wait in quiet confidence for the Holy Spirit to deliver them from the power of the flesh, and to maintain the wonderful presence of the Father and the Son. And it is that. It is day by day to wait on the Lord, to seek His face, to behold His beauty. That is the calling of a disciple of Christ. All right. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. So, <clears throat> we're going to take communion. We're going to break bread together. So would you do it? When, when, when you do it, you, you're welcome to get into groups. There are tables in the front and there's tables in the back. Take a moment. Reflect on what has been preached. 
Reflect on what the Lord is saying. Reflect on the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to fan the flame of faith, to fan it up, to fan that flame. Ask Him for new revelation, for new desire, for new hunger. Repent. If you have um, not treated your body as the temple of God and not seen it as something that's sacred, uh, repent and, and give again your life to Him and ask Him to fill you and to, to remain as you remain in Him. Is that all right? Now, Father, we thank You for, for Your Son, Jesus. We thank You that You came and You made a way for us to be reconciled, God. We thank You for that, Jesus. We thank You for Your blood shed on the cross, Your precious blood. We were not bought with precious silver or gold, God. We were bought at the price of Your Son. And Father, we thank You that you've given us your Holy Spirit, God, that you, yourself, your presence will come on us and be in us for your glory, God. For your glory, God. Holy Spirit, would you continue to reveal your Son to us? Would you continue to reveal the Son as Jesus revealed the Father? Thank you, God, that you made a way that we could freely enter in, freely Daily, come into your presence, God, where, where you would work in us and heal and shape, fix our identities, God, fix our purpose, fix our hopes. Father, thank you that you're the God of restoration, that you restore. You bring life to things that are dead. You restore where there's no hope. God, you bring hope. We thank you. Father, and even now, if there's if there's anyone here that does not know you, O oh God, would they open their hearts and their eyes to you today? Accept you as Savior. Accept the gift of salvation. Accept the gift of your Spirit, God. 